Good afternoon and welcome to Let's Talk. The pastor is in. I'm program host Kip Allen. Let's Talk is the program for the Christian layman, you know, the Lutheran who believes but has questions. In short, you know, the program's designed really for me because, you know, I believe but there's a lot I don't understand. Not necessarily soul-shaking things. It might just be something that's been bugging me for a while. But I find that rather than getting into a deep theological discussion, that a casual front porch style talk of the pastor's the best way to understanding. That is what this program is all about. Today's guest Bill Swirla of Holy Trinity Lutheran Church in Hacienda Heights, California. Now, I have my questions. I'm sure you have yours. Now, you can send your questions by email at any time to letstalk at kfuo.org. Once again, that's letstalk at kfuo.org. You are having some problems telephone-wise, so I'm afraid you will not be able to call in, but we'll certainly be looking for the emails. Bill, welcome to the program. Hey, good to be back. Well, I hope the weather's better out there than it is out here. Sunny and warm. Remind me again the, why I left California? <laughs> the way you remember it. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they say the definition of nostalgia is convincing yourself that the bad old days are really the good old days. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, nevertheless, there are still many people uh, eager to leave California. As I, I, I just read a, an article that said that... Uh, Half the registered voters in California have considered leaving the state at one time or another. I wouldn't be surprised. I know uh, two very good friends of mine from back there. Uh, one has left already, and the other one's planning to go. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's primarily, I believe. Uh, you know, I'm not a sociologist here, but I, I I think primarily it's what we would formally have called the middle class. Oh yeah. Um, if you're rich enough, you can manage. Uh, but you have to be rich, rich uh, to to make it in California. Well, you know, they, they just passed this AB5, which uh, limits the amount of freelance gigs a person can do. I think to like 35 a year or something <laughs> oh, like that. Oh, boy, that has... If, if you want to know the, the definition of unintended consequences, oh, yeah. watch this one because it's just, it's created chaos. You know, the funny thing is, it's it's turned around to bite them in the rear end because it affects campaign workers, too. <laughs> hey, there's a little poetic justice there. <laughs> but you know, when, uh, when my wife was so ill uh, and I had to stay home and uh, be her nurse, uh, I was I was doing work as a freelance editor. You know, I'd take sure. in all sorts of articles. And, you know, I could have done 35 articles in two days. And then I'd be stuck. <laughs> well, quite frankly, a lot of vocations, we don't, we don't think about it that often, but a lot of vocations are done on that basis. Artists, uh, musicians, writers. Uh, you know, not everybody works a nine to five for a company. You know, it, it, in fact, some people really don't want that. They consider it a form of indentured servitude, if nothing else. And they like the independence and the freedom to be able to, you know, determine at what level you want to work and when you want to do it. Oh, yeah. So, you know, I totally respect that. I totally get that. But, you know, this is more of this, this, I, I, it's a combination of do-gooderism, where you're trying to trying to you know protect the the exploitation of the the minimum wage people on the one hand, and on the other hand, it's it's just this this incessant interference in the gov of the government in 
uh, not only the business life of of people, but but the private life of people. It's just it's crazy. Yeah, but it's all for our own our own good. It's for our own good. Yeah, that's that. That because is we can't abs- be trusted to determine what's good for oh, us. Oh man, it's 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 bad. But yeah, California tends to see itself because of its high population. Uh, it tends to see itself as sort of the leading edge of American culture. And it usually is, but only for ill, never for good. Um, And so, you know, just like another example would be like uh, emission standards for Mm -hmm. automobiles. There there was a time when you had to kind of like you had to tweak your automobile to California standards because the rest of the country wasn't playing. Well, that doesn't that doesn't go for really long. So so sooner or later, California standards apply just across the board. So. In other words, California gets to call the shots. Well, they're really taking advantage of that, or they're really exploiting that uh, that position just because of sheer population and market size. And so whether it's vehicle emission standards or uh, use of solar power, you know, these days if you want to build a home, new home, got to have solar. Yeah. Oh. So, yeah, I think it's time to, you know, I have in my head that, you know, I'm leaving on a jet plane. (laughs) Don't know when I'll be back again. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you for reminding me why I left California. (laughs) Yeah, so so when you're, you're, like, dealing with the sleet and the snain, I remember snain, that magic combination of snow and rain, Mm -hmm. that then freezes at night, turning the entire, uh, all the roadways into a skating rink. Um, That's fun. Yeah, it is, uh, but... Just when you look at it, just remember the politics, and uh, and you know it'll thaw it'll thaw things in your mind quite nicely. <laughs> well, I suppose we ought to get on to the topic of today's program. Ah, ah, yes. which is this is the forty seventh anniversary. Uh, excuse me, this is the forty seventh annual March for Life in Washington D.C. Uh, there are an estimated at least a hundred thousand marchers out there today. At least one hundred thousand. Hmm. And, uh, and and we know that those those counts on the mall are always suspect, aren't they? Oh yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm I'm just thinking to the inauguration and that, yeah. that yeah. <laughs> hundred thousand. But that's that's uh, whose estimate is that? Media media outlet. No, that's, uh, actually, that's actually for the march for themselves. From the the uh, marchers. Okay, yeah. yeah. They'll probably be revised as the day goes on. But you know, it's kind of funny because I've been bouncing back and forth among the uh, various networks trying to see how they're covering it and uh you remember a few days ago they had the women's march uh, yes that was it, sunday i believe right yeah it had maybe ten thousand or fewer and that had solid coverage yeah now today as i say i've been bouncing back and forth <clears throat> which is, isn't to say i might not have missed it but i didn't see any coverage on abc cbs nbc or cnn there was coverage mm. on Fox, and there was coverage on the BBC, of all things. Yeah, okay. That's a, you know that that's about how things usually parse when it comes to mainstream. So yeah, and you know, I a hundred thousand people marching all together is a significant event. You ought to at least ask why they're marching. Yeah, not just that. I mean, this is the longest annual protest march in the country. True. I mean, it, it, it's one of those it's one of those issues that has sustainability mm-hmm. for good reason. It deals with <laughs> a fundamental human right. Uh, but no, it, it's a sustainable issue. It doesn't go away. And I don't think it will go away until Roe v. Wade goes away. 
and I don't know how that's going to happen, but but uh, yeah. Now, I think eventually it will. Um, we're seeing more and more challenges to it. The, the makeup of the Supreme Court is changing. And also, more and more evidence is coming up that the court made the original uh, ruling based on false information. Possible. Um, you know, the, the court, as I understand it, and I'm no lawyer, but, but the court is reticent to overturn uh, although in constitutional law, it doesn't that doesn't work like common law. Common law builds on precedent. Uh, constitutional law doesn't necessarily build on precedent, although the court kind of listens to itself and its prior decisions. So they're very loath to overturn. Uh, they might chisel away, you know, kind of, you know, nibble to death by a thousand nibbles kind of uh, thing. That may be the the way this goes, but. We'll have to see. It, it, certainly there are more challenges at the appellate level, mm-hmm. and and there's an increasing, I think, mood uh, to take it on judicially, and, and it, it should. It, I, I'm not a constitutional lawyer, but I'm, I find it very hard to parse the logic of Roe v. Wade, you know, which basically uh, gives, uh, acknowledges. I shouldn't say gives. We don't give rights. We, we acknowledge them. We mm-hmm. recognize them. But it recognized the right of a mother to to basically kill her unborn child on the basis of a right to privacy. It's her own business. Child um, sacrifice, it, essentially. Well, you know, I mean, if if you're going to build, if you're going to build, if you're going to infer rights from the right to privacy, there there are a lot of interesting rights one could infer from the, from a right to privacy. Uh, the same could be said for Obergefell, you know, and and building a building a, a redefinition of marriage on. On basically the unequal protection clause, you know that it's just not fair because you know we can't play that game. But you know, again, the, I, this is this is very strange. Um, maybe it's why I didn't go to law school. I don't know, but it, it's 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 very strange reason. You didn't want to have your conscience surgically removed. Oh gosh, and it, and but it also has you know dire unintended consequences or consequences intended or not. Yeah, and and so. Back to the issue. Yeah, this this march has been a sustainable voice of of uh, protest, a voice of really. It's it's not protest. I don't see it as protest. I see it as witness. It's it's a public witness that human life is sacred. Human life is to be protected from its beginning. And and we're not going to parse trimesters in the womb. We're not going to bicker over when does life begin. Uh, you know, the best available data we have is that when the whole process gets started, this inevitably is tumbling toward a human life. You know, in other words, when when, you know, the 23 pairs of chromosomes get together, mm-hmm. it ain't going to be a giraffe. OK, so it's 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 heading it's heading toward a a, a, a goal. And yeah. and, uh, you know, it, it really comes. I, I think this hits at the core of our humanity. Because really, really truthfully, if we don't recognize the sanctity of human life, um, there's no point in our talking about any other kind of inferred ancillary rights and political rights and, you know, all the other rights that people march for. Uh, if, if, if there is not, uh, you know, as we said in the Declaration of Independence, if, if there is not a recognition that there is an inalienable it means you can't take it away from you. An inalienable right to life endowed by one's creator. Mm-hmm. 
which, which I think is problem number one. When you cease to believe in a creator and acknowledge him, then you start playing fast and loose with everything else because you've lost you've lost that that higher accountability, that moral accountability. One of the problems with this is that there's really no room for compromise. You're either you either are against abortion on demand or you're for it. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and, and that's the thing is that the zero sum sorts of things are very, very, very difficult to argue because it forces people into camps. You know, you, you would like the, the political machine when it's working properly, really likes negotiated compromise as much as possible. So I get a little bit of mine and you get a little bit of yours and we're all kind of satisfied. Nobody gets to do the happy dance in the end zone. But but, but here, you know, this is life or death and there's kind of no middle ground between life or death. There's that kind of sort of alive or, you know, well, we'll, we'll agree most of the time, but some of the time, no. Um, so yeah, the, the the political machinery I don't think can really can really grab onto this in in, in a way the the church can, you know the the church mm-hmm. can be very clear, uh, and and rather black and white that that you know abortion is a form of murder, you know regardless of circumstances, and you can come back with your yes but all you want, but you just have to own it that when you take another life, another human life, that is murder. Well, I just got into a um, discussion, quote-unquote, on Facebook with an acquaintance of mine who's strongly pro-choice, pro-abortion, if you will. And Mm. uh, one of the things she was arguing was uh, about birth control, which admittedly we need to have some good good planning on that. But what she was supporting were things like, uh, for example, IUDs that would simply prevent the embryo from being implanted. Mm-hmm. And she says, well, it's not human until it's implanted. Well, again, <laughs> see, it's it's not human. What does that mean? It's not human. It is human, even if it isn't implanted. If it doesn't implant, it's not going to be born. That's mm-hmm. true. But but even before, and there is a period of time before, it's still human. It ain't, you know, it doesn't have the possibility of being chimpanzee. I know close, but, 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 you know, not, not just, um, so that argument is specious. It, it, it's completely specious. And I understand that, that, um, there's a significant percentage of fertilized eggs that do not implant for whatever reason. Correct. But that's natural. Okay. That's, but that, that, that doesn't make that fertilized egg less human. No, it doesn't. And it's not. So the argument. Potentially getting rid of it. The response, the responses, and the point is what? <laughs> um, and and see again, you know, I, how does this come about? I think it comes about because we have rent asunder what God has joined together, and and we've rent asunder uh, procreation from sexual intimacy via birth control. And we've rent asunder sexual intimacy from covenant, i.e., marriage, of man and woman, and and we've rent asunder marriage from community. So when you tear everything apart, and you, you know, and that's kind of the way of modern life is to be analytical. To analyze means to tear it apart. Uh, you can't put Humpty Dumpty back together again. So so we have everything kind of free-floating. We have sexuality as a free-floating thing. We have the right to choose whether I carry, 
carry a child or not. We have um, we have uh, birth control, which drives a wedge between intimacy and procreation. And there again, same argument. Not every act of intimacy results in in the conception of a child, but that's always a real possibility. That being a real possibility, that that uh, puts on a higher level of responsibility in terms of how you handle uh, your 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 intimate life, because there's always that possibility of a child. Therefore, family. Therefore, covenant. Therefore, community. But it's our way to just pull everything apart and try to have each piece independently, and that's where the mischief starts. That's where the problems begin. We've pulled apart what God has kept together and given us as a whole package. And it's so easy if you can't see it to get rid of it. <laughs> yeah, well, and this the is, hidden I, this things... this is what they're doing. This is what's going on. That's a great point. You know, the hidden things are always the most easily denied, you know. I'll believe it when I see it. But let's step back. We can see. We can see more than they've ever been able to see. The resolution on those sonograms is high resolution. You can almost shake hands with the child, okay? Um, Which is one of the reasons why the pro-abortion crowd is so opposed to having sonograms before an abortion. <laughs> well, you know, and I find it deeply ironic that, you know, the, the same sort of crowd which so loves science when it's on their side does not like science on this side have you ever seen either the the videos or there's some beautiful movies there's actually a uh, a pbs special where they they did um these are very high resolution um i don't know their photo i don't know what the technology is but they show development of the child in the womb from day one mm. and it is it is just it brings chills just just watching you know the the words of the psalmist come to mind fearfully and wonderfully made um and i know a thing or two about biology too so you know it's like i i, I am scientifically oriented but no less awe-stricken uh, but anybody who views something like that and just writes it off as, you know, just basically a piece of tissue or, you know, a parasite or a foreign object, uh, they're, they're not listening to the scientific data. They're not seeing what we have been given to see. And we have been given to see into the great mystery of the womb, which the ancients just used to, you know, that, that used to be sort of a, 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 a hidden thing. You knit me together in my mother's womb, you know, in the depths of the earth. The womb was about as accessible as the depths of the earth to the psalmist. We're not like that. We get to see. And what we see is amazing. And it is indeed. I mean, uh, <clears throat> a little mea culpa here. At one time, I was lukewarm in favor of pro-choice. My argument, or my let me rephrase that. It wasn't my argument. My rationality for it my, uh, was, uh, gee, I don't know if it's human or not, but God will. Therefore, ah, oh boy, was I naive. And then we've, I, <laughs> we've all had we've uh, all had our our seasons. Okay. Oh. Uh, <laughs> But as you pointed out, I mean, the evidence just gets stronger and stronger and stronger. And I simply could no longer deny. Yeah, it is life. Yeah. See, and that's the thing. It, and, and this kind of gets back to the religious issue. It, it's not really a matter of faith. Not today. Maybe at one time we could have argued this when we saw nothing except maybe some blurry spots on a very crude uh, you know, sonogram. Not today. Um, we know too much, and because we know what we know, 
we no longer have an excuse. With knowledge comes responsibility. See, and you, this you, is you, the point. They're not, there is a lack of responsibility. Over and above the fact that the person might choose to destroy the, the baby in the womb, now they want society to pay for it. Yes, and and the the key word in in so many things that are uh, you know moral issues that have deep political implications, they it becomes a matter of not only paid for but approved. Yeah, it, now, that, have you ever that seen is, those things? Abortion on demand without apology. I've seen those signs. Yes, if you and and this is the same thing with the marriage issue. If you don't approve. If you say, as I said, that regardless of circumstances, this is an act of murder. Um, if you don't approve, then you have condemned all women. You hate women. Or you, you're treating women as slaves or as baby machines or, you know, all the, all the sort of the rhetoric that goes with that. Um, without, and I think it's a real failure to parse the rhetoric of the other side is, is, Look around. Let, let, let's 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 be secular. Look around in the animal world. View the you view like nature. The the PBS show Nature, which I really love, except when there's baby animals, because you know something's going to happen bad. It's going to happen to one of them. You know, it's like oh, baby animal's not going to make it. You know, but that aside, do you ever notice how fierce mothers are in defending their young? Oh yeah, and in and how driven they are to to procreate you know that this is this is like the thing this is you know it's, it's almost like this is the essence of mama bear and what evil you know has been promulgated to alienate a mother from her child i can you know the devil's trick is always to create division division among us division among brother and sister uh just division is is the devil's name of the game to divide and and what what an evil division to divide a mother from her unborn child especially when there are other choices available i think uh i i can understand how a a person a woman or a couple would not want to be able would not want to raise a child they they too immature they can't afford it financially whatever but there's adoption. Yeah, I mean, there, there, yeah, there, there are any number of you know back back in those those ancient days, the extended family was your adoption, yeah. and and so uh, you know people, you know even in the Bible you'll find instances of children raised by others. I'll give you a, well, no, those are orphans, but 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 still, you know there was an extended family. You had aunts, uncles, you had all kinds of things, and and this child had a family. Even though maybe he or she got off on the on the wrong start, not the child's fault, not the child's fault, yeah. and and uh, you know in a, in essence we are we are condemning the child to death to pay for the sins of uh, his or her father and mother. Mm. Boy, I can see all sorts of biblical implications in that. Yeah, and you know, and and so yeah, there's there's lots of stuff. So I think there's good reason to march. Um, marching isn't the only way that one bears witness, but I think in our society and in many societies, uh, when people gather in the city square, the public square, in this case, the national square, uh, and are unified in heart and voice around an issue, uh, that has impact. And, and the fact that it's not a Lutheran issue, 
it's not a Catholic issue, although Lutherans and Catholics have been kind of at the forefront of this. But but you, you will find, I think, all faiths, and no faith at all represented. Oh, yeah, there absolutely. Are, I have read some stellar uh, essays from, of all things, an agnostic Jew, which is kind of a little bit of an oxymoron for me, but I get it. You know, they're culturally Jewish, but spiritually agnostic. Uh, but a very good essay on on the right to life from conception as basically a fundamental human right from which all other rights kind of flow. And it's like, yeah. <laughs> so if you want to talk women's rights, if you want to talk uh, civil rights, if you want to talk whatever rights you want to talk about, got to first look at the foundation of all of them the 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 right to live the the right for a human being to live and the sanctity of that life and how often do you run into people who say well there are too many people anyway yeah well yeah i mean who are you to be bean counter for the, the earth's population <laughs> see, i say to them well fine you you start <laughs> you want to reduce the population go 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 for it <laughs> now, there are plenty of there are plenty of of you know everything from like like weird viruses uh, blowing around to uh to war and all kinds of things and you know we we do a pretty good job of kind of limiting things ourselves <laughs> but i mean really who are you or any small group of people to take upon yourself the stewardship of the human population talk about a god complex mm. well as i said early you know we're beginning the program you know it's for our own good <laughs> uh, barf. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There, you know, there's a, a, a lady by the name of Alice Miller uh, wrote a book on the German matriarchy. She's a little sort of uh, psychoanalysis of Hitler. I think I think her determination is that Hitler became Hitler because of his mother. Okay, so you know, make of it what you will. But but the book is entitled "For Your Own Good," and and it's really it's really kind of the the notion of the abusive parent. You know, I am doing this for your own good. This will hurt and, me more than you. Yeah, uh, yeah, and and that 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 is that kind of government. That that does that. See now, once there could be people flip the argument on us here and say, "Look, uh, for the government to tell a woman she can't abort her child, that's interference with the government and the personal and private life of its citizens." Roe v. Wade. Maybe we should leave that discussion for the second half. Huh? That's a good idea because we are getting up to that time when we've got to take that break. I watched the clock too, Kip. <laughs> Thank heavens. <laughs> some some of the pastors don't. So yeah, well, oh, well yeah, yeah, I won't name names. Leave just leave it right there. Okay. <laughs> okay, we'll be back. I watched the clock on Sundays too. <laughs> ah, good. <laughs> we'll be back shortly. Ecclesiastes 10 verse 10 states, If the iron is blunt and one does not sharpen the edge, he must use more strength. But wisdom helps one to succeed. Find this true wisdom in Christ on Sharper Iron every weekday morning at 8 a.m. here on Worldwide KFUO. Sharpen the iron of your faith together with two pastors as they take up the sword of the Spirit to proclaim the gifts of Christ crucified and risen for you.
Did you know that your individual retirement account may make the best gift to KFUO? The IRS now allows individuals 70 and a half or older to transfer their required minimum distribution directly to charity and avoid paying the associated income tax. These gifts can provide regular long-term resources to KFUO. If you have questions about making an IRA gift to KFUO, call me, Mary, at 314-996-1518. We'll send a representative out to help answer your questions and help you establish a legacy of giving to your favorite radio station, Worldwide KFUO. Far north of the Alps, in the Jura Mountains, a boy and his grandfather are trapped in their chalet. A fierce snowstorm has cut off all paths of rescue, and that's just the beginning. Grandfather! Get behind me! When doubt, danger, and death surround you, will your faith survive, or will it be buried in the snow? Based on a true story, on the next Lamplighter Theater. Saturday mornings at 11 on Worldwide KFUO. Hi, I'm Pastor Mark Hawkinson. Coming up on the next Moments of Assurance weekend, I'll share thoughts with you about these words of the Lord Jesus when he said, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What is repentance and what exactly did Jesus mean by at hand? I'll talk about it on the next MOA weekend this Saturday and Sunday morning at 745 a.m. right here on Worldwide. KFUO, we're known as the messenger of good news. On my honor, I will do my The publication of Scouting for Boys on January 24, 1908, launched the Boy Scout movement in England, which has unmistakable roots in Christianity and the Bible. Written by Lord Robert Baden Powell, the handbook contains practical and patriotic instruction for growing boys and confirms no man is much good unless he believes in God and obeys his laws. So every scout should have a religion. Religion seems a very simple thing. First, love and serve God. Second, love and serve your neighbor. That affirmation of the two great commandments quoted by Jesus of Nazareth in all four Gospels also echoes the three promises of the Scout Oath. Duty to God and country, duty to other people, and duty to self. Engage with the Bible and its impact on history, culture, and art. Brought to you by Museum of the Bible in Washington, D.C. Welcome back to Let's Talk. The pastor is in. Pastor Bill Swirla from Hacienda Heights, California, and I are discussing the Right to Life March and various issues concerning life. What's the Bible say about it? What's our role in it? Can we change some of the things or not? We'll see what happens. Bill, you mentioned uh, about the Roe v. Wade. What can we do to change that? Uh, and one of the things we talked about earlier was the uh, Supreme Court. Because, you know, there really, as I see it, there's only two ways really to change it. One is, the, one is through constitutional amendment, and the other is going to be through the Supreme Court reversing itself on Roe v. Wade. Now, I know that the cons in constitutional matters, the high court is very, very reluctant to do that. But I can think of several examples. Uh, Plessy versus Ferguson was reversed by Brown versus Board of, Deci uh, Board of Education. Because remember, plus he said, yeah, racial segregation is perfectly constitutional. Brown said, uh-uh, it ain't. Uh, there's a case of uh, 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 Gideon versus Wainwright in Florida, where the Supreme Court had initially said, you know, criminal defendants in a state court are not entitled to legal, uh, to legal representation. And in the Gideon uh, decision, they said, oh, yes, they are. 
So, you know, there's there's a whole series of things here that could happen. One of the things, for example, with Roe v. Wade that I think the court might want to look at is uh, there, were, there was the argument about, uh, I think, 10,000 women died a year to illegal abortion. And the guy who came up with that has recently said that he made it up completely out of whole cloth. Just made it up. Well, in order for the uh, court to revisit it, it needs to be it, it needs to have a, an adequate, a clean test case. They don't just make up. They don't just sit around saying, "Hey, what do we talk about mm-hmm. today?" And uh, you know, the courts petitioned with a lot of things. Most of them they declined to hear, uh, just because it's not a constitutional issue. I mean, their job, the, the Supreme Court's job, is is to test, to adjudicate the constitutionality of law. Not to write law, not to make law, just to adjudicate the constitutionality of law. And so, um, you know, it needs to be tested. I, I think it will continue to be tested. And because the life issue is is a sustaining issue, it, it continues to be, as the, the March for Life indicates, it continues to be um, an issue in the minds of many people. Uh, in in this country, I think there will be continued tests uh, from the states. I mean, the states are going to test it. There are states that are are trying to be very, very, very restrictive, and so you know they're they're pushing back on this really hard. So we'll see what happens. And then um, we're seeing states that are opening the floodgates. Yeah, well, that's the response, and that's the unfortunate ping pong of our political realm is mm. that uh, you know it, it's it's a matter of oh yeah, I'll show you. Uh, you know, you impeached our president, we'll impeach yours. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, yeah, it's, and, and that's unfortunately our, 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 the ordo politicus, the political order has taken on the character of, of junior high playground, uh, in, in our country. And it's sad and it's, it's going to hurt us in the long run at all levels, but, uh, uh, we'll see. And a lot depends on the courts on who the judges are that are sitting there too. That's, that's. Yeah, that's that's uh, going to be a big one. Um, yeah, I mean, appellate and Supreme Court appointments are really, 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 really important. And uh, you know, you want men and women on there who understand the role of these courts and and who adjudicate uh, constitutionality, uh, not uh, whether they like the law or what sort of social reforms they want to do. I, I want to add something or append something to what I said the first half. Okay. Um, you know, and that is uh, there are. There are these, you know, the temp- temporal kingdom. Our, our temporal life is is ordered under a variety of authorities, civil society, our home, and uh, the church. And and the church tend will speak to issues differently than than the political order does. Uh, in the political order, there's room for compromise and and exceptions and whatnot. Uh, in church, there really isn't. Um, although sometimes people try to do that, but they end up co- coming out like Pharisees, you know, <laughs> Pharisees were always kind of like slicing and dicing and analyzing and, and, and whatnot. But we don't really have that. If somebody says, is abortion sin? The answer is yes. Uh, you know, is, is extramarital sex sin? Yes. Is, uh, you know, whatever. You, uh, a lot of times our, our old Adam really would like to find exceptions, loopholes, other, you know, like the Pharisees coming to Jesus, can a man divorce his wife for any cause? You know, and Jesus' ultimate answer is no. All divorce is adultery, so knock it off. Um, why, why do we speak that way in the church? Um, we speak that way in the church because the church is about the forgiveness of sins. 
the church is not about uh, renovating society or you know whatever, but it's about the forgiveness of sins. If you create loopholes in the law and you make everything negotiable in the law, there's no place for the forgiveness of sins. And so when you approach the law in the church, you're going to approach it as a thing that will always condemn you at some level. So, oh, you, you know, you've been, you've been, uh, you've been sexually faithful in your marriage. Oh, but you looked at a woman with lust in your heart. Guilty. See, and it, no law in, in the civil realm would do that. You know, we don't have laws for looking. <laughs> otherwise, otherwise, you and I'd be in jail right now. Oh, okay, yeah. you know, we, we don't have laws for looking. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, we used to have laws for acting on it. Uh, we don't anymore. Uh, you know, the, but but. Uh, it, what I'm saying is that, that the political order and the order of the church deal with God's law differently. And and in the church, it really is a zero-sum game. Well, you it's, can't, it's, there, there are no loopholes in the Ten Commandments. Right, and it's holy or it's not holy. There's no sort of in kind of holy or, you know, well, you know. There, there were circumstances. No. And, and in doing so, it opens the avenue to the gospel of forgiveness. It's you have to be a total sinner to be totally forgiven. Uh, God doesn't forgive this little infraction, that little misdemeanor. He forgives sinners of their sin. And, and so we don't, we don't play that parsing game. In fact, that you have to even ask indicates that your conscience is tweaking you and you need to seek forgiveness, not justifications. Now, when you, you go know, to, so, when you go to church on Sunday, I mean, there's the, there's the confession of sins and absolution. You go to God, you confess, yes, I'm a sinner. I deserve your punishment. Please, Lord, forgive me for the sake of your son. That said, see, even though you have church groups and church as and Christians as individual citizens marching against Roe v. Wade, uh, bearing witness to the sanctity of life, uh, defending the cause of the unborn, we pray for the those who are unborn every Sunday at the altar in our mm -hmm. church. Nonetheless, uh, the doors to the church are not barred to the woman who was driven by circumstance to have abort have an abortion uh in in fact the doors are open to her especially and, open and to, and to say that you know come come here you don't need legal justification you need god's justification you don't need a supreme court ruling you need the ruling from the cross see and and that's true for all of us and so that's why the church speaks with a very different accent of, and both with regard to law and there's no gospel in the political order you know the the, the government isn't in the business of forgiving <laughs> it's Anybody in the business of the IRS knows that <laughs> no <laughs> yeah try that sometimes oh, why did you pay your taxes oh i i forgot i'm sorry oh i forgive you you know i you'll never hear that uh, so this, they're not in the forgiveness business. They're in, they're in rewarding good, punishing evil. Hopefully, knowing the difference between the two. And so, so you know what goes on politically, what goes on in Washington and the state houses is a very, very different conversation than what goes on in the house of God, which basically condemns all as total sinners, and and then declares all righteous in in the blood of Jesus Christ. And and so there it's, you know, total sinner, totally forgiven. And I, which think is a, that, I think that God expects us as Christians 
to react in the in the left hand kingdom when there is an injustice that is a violation of his law hence abortion yeah and and you know you know in a way christians although it's not a christian issue and i keep harping on that it's mm-hmm. it's a human human issue but christians i think have a little bit of a a perspective they have a different perspective perhaps than than those who do not know or acknowledge christ um certainly the creator that 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 if and and in Christian theology to acknowledge a creator is already to acknowledge Christ because Christ is the creative word he's the word who creates all things and sustains them in his being so um but as i mentioned earlier take away a creator and everything just becomes pure biology okay uh but but take away christ and and that's or let's put christ into the picture you know who is christ he's the word become flesh he's he's the son of god who dwelt bodily in the womb of of a human mother you know he has sanctified the womb uh he's he's embraced our humanity uh, you know he didn't say <laughs> if life begins at if life begins at birth then he should have just sort of popped into a manger miraculously <laughs> but he didn't he was conceived and 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 mary had to carry him inconveniently to to bethlehem and remember the bible passage about where god says i knew you in the womb Yes, to Jeremiah, you know, and the before you were born, I knew you were John the Baptist, you know, preaching as best he can in, in the womb of Elizabeth, his mother. But there's this whole notion that that God knows you there, uh, you know, in Psalm 22, you have been my God from before my birth. So so there's a relationship there, too. So all of these things as Christians and especially as Christians, we see a reflection of Christ because everything is Christ-centered to us. Even the creation is it's about Christ and the creative word. And so the, the life issue is a Christ issue that, you know, Christ, Christ resided in the womb. Mother Teresa said that brilliantly at a speech I saw her give when she talked against abortion. And she says that every abortion is an affront against Jesus Christ. Every, every abortion is 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 an attack on Jesus Christ because he embraced our humanity in the womb. See, and if, if God sanctifies the womb that way, if God acknowledges the holiness of that place in that way by having his son dwell there, then who are we to pry there ourselves? You know, how dare we? How dare we? Well, a lot of people try. I, I keep hearing the argument, well, it's my body, my choice, and to which my rejoinder is... It's not is, your body. If it was your body, you'd be the one who died of the abortion. <laughs> you know, did you make you? I mean, did you? were you, were you, were you consulted? Uh, you know, did somebody ask if you wish to be born? You know, nobody consulted. You, you, you came into existence because a mother carried you, and a mother and a father conceived you, and God gave you life. Yeah, so that's... It's, you know, it's like an on, it's like a, an onion where you just peel back one layer of lie after another. My body, no, it's not. You know, my choice, no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, when we talk about life issues, sometimes we forget about the other end of the spectrum and the middle too. And the middle too. Let's not, let's not forget the middle, the neglected, the marginalized, the poor. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, all of that is a life issue. It's all a Fifth Commandment thing. Luther's really big on that in the large catechism. Care for the poor, the hungry, the sojourner, the alien, the foreigner living in your in your midst. You know, it's all over the Bible. So, so if you're going to go life, go life. It's all, it's, I mean, it's, it's a, and there's a group, I, I forgot the name, but there's a group that, that is really into that. They're not trying to dilute the abortion issue, but they're, they're kind of keeping it in the bigger context of life, human life, the sanctity of human life from conception to grave. I'm done. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I'm wound up this morning. You brought out the activist in me. I don't know what's going on. Well, well, you're, you're, you're inspired. I had lunch before I came on. That's oh, why. that'll do it. Your blood sugar's yeah. up. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm usually kind of okay. sedate. Well, what I was thinking of specifically here is... You, you were talking end of life. End of right? life. End sure. of life. Because that's the other end of the spectrum that, again, that's coming down to the states. Where some states are saying, we're going to help you die if you want to die. And uh, we say, as as Christians on our side, you know, <laughs> it's not your choice. It's not your body. It's not your life. Now... I keep thinking, uh, you may remember the instance with uh, Maggie Carner, who was the... the uh, I do. Yeah. And then there was Brittany Maynard, her counterpart, who had exactly the same disease. And a wonderful open letter that Maggie wrote, begging Brittany not to end her own life. Yeah. And I keep thinking, what would I do if that were me? Or if I had another, I, I found out I had another illness that was going to take my life. Mm-hmm. I would be very, very tempted to say, no, I don't want any treatment. Let it go. I don't want to. Well, that's a, that's the third option, though. The, the two that you laid out, Maggie, who pursued treatment, and Brittany, who pursued her own death. But yours is a third option, and that is don't, don't. Don't pursue a cure. You know, just don't don't pursue a cure. Don't kill yourself. But, but you know, just stay away from the the witch doctors and the medicine men. Now, would that be perhaps aiding in my own death, knowing that there were things that I could do to extend my life, and I'm not going to do them, intending to die sooner rather than later? I, I this is this is a question that comes up with with pastors and their people all the time, and and I've seen a variety of different uh, answers to that question. I don't think that that medical technology obligates you to use it, but I think the answer is still one. It's it's the same answer as in so many other things in our life of freedom from the law under Christ. You know that the, the only law there is is the law of love, love of neighbor. Love fulfills the law. And so that the answer to that question is really what best serves your neighbor. There may be instances where you have, say, an estranged son that needs to be reconciled to his father before he dies. That would be a good reason to keep you going for a little bit. I think uh, Maggie even raised that specific issue. Yeah. But see, that's love of neighbor. It's not to say it's, you know, it, it, it and it's a wonderful kind of like tension paradox that to live as Christ, to die is gain. The Christian, confident of the resurrection to eternal life, neither clings to this life with a death grip, nor runs after death and away from life either. You know, it's that Paul, which which do I do to live as Christ, to die as gain? Which do I choose? And he says, well, I, I, I prefer to die and be with the Lord. But there's 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 work to do. There's much useful thing. I, I have stuff I want to do here. 
and for the sake of the gospel, you know, I want to keep going. And so, so it, that's 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 leaving that's leaving all of that in God's hands. Well, I could see that. Uh, it's just, you know, I. I, I so I, no, you can't take the cyanide the cyanide <laughs> capsule, but you you may not necessarily be obligated. You are not obligated to take the chemotherapy either. Okay, I do have one call here. The phone line is cleaned up. Uh, cleaned oh, up they cleaned up the phone line. Yay. And okay. we have Herbert Miller, uh, Herbert Mueller on the line. Oh, Herb. Oh, no, no. It's, it's fake. <laughs> oh. oh yeah, Doesn't sound like Herb. Yeah, you I didn't know. <laughs> I, I didn't know that you were live, but I wanted to call in anyway. Oh, do you have a comment? Hello? Yeah. Yeah, yes, yes actually, I do. Uh, Maggie was one of our dear friends, and um, when she was going through what she was going through, I, I, I honestly, I, I couldn't imagine going through that or going through what Kevin, her husband, was going through. But um, her, my husband, of course, he has uh, a GBM also now, and um, a lot of people say, well, you know, he retired on August the 31st. What um, what kind of retirement are you having? Well, I'll tell you one thing. The Lord is so good. Um, we have time together. Uh, when he was working, he was always gone. And I, I prayed, Lord, I just want some time with him. I just want some time with, us, with him. Please let us have a retirement. Well, by golly, we are together. He is not being called by pastors to preach at anniversary services or retirement <laughs> services or whatever. We are together, guys, and it is it's amazing. What a blessing. So Maggie was right. Maggie was right. What a wonderful, wonderful testimony. Beautiful. The Lord bless the both of you. Um, and, thank and you enjoy so much, the... and thank everybody. Thank everybody for their prayers. This, this is the only way we can get through, and it is, it is amazing. Enjoy every one of those days as a gift from God, because it is. We will, Bill, and thank you, too. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Woo, boy. That's, that's... Well, that, uh, but, see, that, that's a great point. Um, and and, and in, in that particular case, what a gift. Um, you know, medicine is not a, it's not an evil. It's, it's not a good. It's just, it, it is. And it's God's gift. He, he has, he has enabled us to fight these diseases. Mm -hmm. And, and, um, if we recognize that life is a sacred gift from Him, then we will treasure it. And, uh, if there are ways in which to, uh, to treat it, uh, we'll, we'll pursue them. I, I have found, and I see it in my mother, that the older one gets, the the it that conversation changes that that line of reasoning changes you know mom mom doesn't pursue every every medical avenue anymore and if she were not to wake up one day she'd be just fine with that she's 90 she's going to be 91 oh boy um you know um we're not there yet and so for us we are like saint paul you know to live to live is christ that's the first part to die is gain, and that's what that's what I hear faith saying that th to live is Christ, and and the great gift that comes that that God has worked through this uh, this illness is time together.
time together. How many couples do you know? That, oh, when we retire, we're going to do this. When we retire, we're going to do that. And oh, yeah. it never comes. It never comes. Oh, yeah. And I've heard that I don't know how many times. But I, I, I look at when when my wife was dying, uh, I, I talked to my pastor about some of the <laughs> eternal feelings I was having about this. And he said that man now has the ability to extend life beyond what perhaps God intended. Uh, that's, that's giving a little too much credit there, I think. <laughs> Our days are numbered before one of them came to be, says the psalmist. So I'm I, I'm not worried about extending, but I am concerned. I, I am concerned that every day is lived to the glory of God. That's really, and you know, I have had members who are in hospital beds, and and you know, society might say they they've they're, they're of no use. They serve their you know their their life is of no value. And and yet they have brought me and they have brought family comfort and strength. They have preached the gospel of Jesus from their sick bed. Uh, they have borne witness to doctors and nurses and everybody else. They have been a source of encouragement to the people in the bed next to them. Um, no life, no no human life is without value. And and it's not given us to put a value. The value of human life is the blood of Jesus Christ who died for all. It's not given to us to decide what's valuable or not. So shame on us when we talk that way, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, like I say in the opening of this, I believe, but boy, there's a lot I don't understand. <laughs> no, and you can't, you know. I mean, you can you can try to understand whatever you will, but but in the end, you're not God, and that's good. That's good. You'd, you'd be a lousy time. Kip. You'd be a horrible god. That's what just, I was just horrible. <laughs> I know that's what it's going to say. Nobody would worship you. I mean, it would just be it would it would be a trap. You'd just terrible a god. Mm. We make second-rate deities, all of us. <laughs> <laughs> and that's really that's kind of I think you know when you get down to this whole life issue, it's who's God? Is it us or is it God? Yeah. Whew. You know, we always get in these heavy conversations. Well, that's why I'm only on once a month. You have to recover. <laughs> I know. Yeah, well, <laughs> we've had some light. We've had some yeah, lightweight conversations. But let's yeah. you know, suffice it here. Our our prayers are with all who are marching. Yes. And 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 our prayers are especially with the unborn, and the mothers who carry them. That God, in His providential care, would keep both mother and child in safety. Every child in safety through childbirth. Amen to that. Yeah. And let us remember that life is indeed a gift, and it's not ours. We're, it's only on a loan to us. <laughs> it is. I know it sounds it's silly, on. but I really mean it. That the, it's, it's a loaner. Yeah. <laughs> We're all renters. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm just writing his. Yeah, right. It's a, which, again, I think is the argument against assisted suicide, is that you know it's not your life. It belongs to God. And he'll take it back when he's ready. That's right. Okay. <laughs> okay, Bill, we're just about wrapping it up here. I think we've I think we've done it. I think we've done it, Kip. And uh thanks for having me on for this particular episode. Yeah, it just is an especially important weekend for us, you know, going into this. this it is. This and March. and 
uh, thanks to your little notice, I'm going to keep uh, keep tabs on uh, the media coverage. See what they say. Okay. And by the by, please answer your doodle. For the oh, yeah. <laughs> for the listeners who don't understand, doodle is how we we arrange these things. I will. <laughs> okay. Okay, thanks so much. Guest today, All right. was, guest today was Bill Swirla of Holy Trinity Lutheran Church in Hacienda Heights, California. Till next time, troops, God bless you. You've been listening to The Pastor Is In, a weekly chance to chat with a pastor. Your support is vital for this program to continue. To learn about giving opportunities, call Mary at 314-996-1518. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting. The Pastor is in on Worldwide KFUO.